0: Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse? Yes. One D6 damage at a time? No? Oh, okay, well, maybe we inflict a wound on the dead horse. On today's episode, we discuss Mythic Roleplaying, a game that boasts GMless play, solo play, and even tools by which to overlay this game over your other game. But how does this 2003 RPG hold up? Should we find out? Make movies about feet? I need to recalibrate these. Hello, and welcome back to System Mastery, the podcast where we do the things we always do. I'm Jeff, joined as always by my co-host, John. John, how you doing?
1: I'm all right. I'm getting some big flashbacks to
0: a couple years ago. I know. I mean, this is this is more of a COVID precautionary scare than a real problem for, at least for the two of us. Like, as far as my sister is concerned, things are not great, Bob. Nope, not great. My My, my poor sister is visiting in town because of my father having some serious health issues. So she decided to come and visit and be supportive and just brought COVID with her. Hooray. And she's staying with them at a really bad time to be staying there. If you have COVID Uh, and she can't go home now because she has COVID and she uh, can't really be in their house. So they've kind of given her a bedroom that has a bathroom attached to it. And they've just sort of locked her in there like Cinderella. And she's taking extra work from home days until like, she gets negative. That's so great oh it's the worst and i've done my best to try and you know be supportive and help out but she did take while well, she she was here like the day before she got her COVID test she took sage to SeaWorld. um uh, mm-hmm. they had a wonderful time and so we've been we've been testing sage who was sick yesterday but is just perfectly fine today but we've been testing her every day she's coming up negative every day i'm testing too coming up negative we think that the vaccines probably worked but i don't want to come down with COVID or worse give it to you five or six days before our big gen con event yeah that's i mean that is gonna be a
1: real shame if you know you can't go to gen con because of this i would be sad because then i would have to do things by myself and that would make me sad
0: yeah i would i mean i assume you'd probably just cancel a few of the events if i'm not there but but uh Hopefully we don't have to worry about it. So far, I have been the picture of perfect health, and Sage is already
1: better. The very model of a modern major gentleman that doesn't have
0: COVID. Yeah, I mean, I, I shouldn't say I'm the picture of perfect health. All things considered, there are still a great deal of ridiculous <laughs> things wrong with me. <laughs> Indeed, the standard old man litany of concerns. It, yeah, uh, you definitely aren't. You know, f- great, but you're fine. No, I, you know my lumbago got into my my sciatica last week and and now i've got like fisherman's complaint in my left junction but yeah. besides that i'm fine you know other than that though hell dude i'm doing great all things i've lost uh, as of this morning's weigh in i have lost 70 pounds amazing it's it's a what a time to be so anyway uh rather than than bragging about my my uh my terrifying weight loss why don't we instead dis- uh, briefly discuss what the game is we'll be talking about today? Of course. So, uh
1: I, you know, obviously love going on drive-through RPG and just finding some real old uploads, weird stuff and weird wild ran... stuff. <laughs> weird wild stuff. Uh mm-hmm. when I ran across this, I was like, "Oh, I gotta like a an r p g from two thousand three that's like we're the first solo gmless role playing game. I was like, Oh, well, fuck, yeah, I mean, I gotta take a look at it, like good or bad, I need to
0: know what's going on with this, yeah, for sure like i have I have no idea if that's true or not. Every time I try and make a definitive statement about role playing games, someone much smarter than me comes along and is like, No, actually, in nineteen seventy uh you Peter Frampton invented the GM-less solo role-playing game, <laughs> and his guitar could talk. And 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 like, I have yeah, to be like, I, the guitar was the GM. Yeah, well, it was GM-less, so he had his guitar GM a game just for him. <laughs> huh? uh, like according to Reddit, I, I have seen that the Mythic GM emulator is generally considered the first uh, solo RPG, but. You know, Reddit's not smarter than me, and I hope they don't think they are either. I'll kick their ass. Yeah, fuck you, Reddit. You don't know yeah. nothing. Yeah. But uh, this game's from 2003, and it it definitely has something you could potentially call a GM-less system. Uh, but but is it is it really that? And I think that's an interesting area of discussion for us to get into today. Indeed. I mean, mm-hmm. it is... It's interesting. Like, it
1: technically checks the boxes so you know it i guess it has being technically right for it
0: (laughs) yeah but does it do it in a way that would be satisfying to play through i think it's probably like let's go ahead and break down the the corest mechanic of this game uh we'll we'll start from there and then we'll kind of expand outward into the to, to fill in the cracks and gaps and margins uh This game relies very heavily on, uh, in a way that's kind of similar to, like, Marvel superheroes role-playing, one great big chart. Yep, there is a thing called the Fate
1: Chart, and the Fate Chart is a giant just list of numbers on a big cross-reference
0: chart, Mm -hmm. and it's all percentile-based. Yep, it's just a giant collection of percentile. And uh, it the other thing, in, in order to understand the, the function of the fate chart, which is already kind of a confusing-looking thing to begin with, uh, given that it has two potential y-axes you can read off of ba- uh, ba- uh, based on one single x-axis, you also have to deal with that the entire chart is only designed to answer yes or no questions. Yeah, and this is a
1: 13 by 13 chart, so just... Mm-hmm a ton of numbers in here all of them like you say just serving the ability to answer
0: a yes no question with percentile dice yeah so in order to really boil it down because i feel like once we say the next couple of sentences here it'll define the whole rest of our conversation today the way this game works and this is whether you're playing with a gm or not is everything is dependent To some yes or no questions asked by the player. So, if the DM were to say, you walk into the first floor of a seemingly abandoned haunted house, the player will say, do I see stairs? And then you roll on this chart. Yeah, at that point, if you've got a GM,
1: uh, they will figure out what the odds of that is, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: then roll dice to see yes or no. Uh, modified by a a chaos rank. Uh, But mostly they'll just be like, all right, I don't know, because even with a GM, the GM doesn't know. And, you know, without it, then the players would just collectively decide sort of what are the odds here. You roll, and there are on all of these boxes three numbers. There's a big number in the middle. And yeah. that is your yes threshold. So if you get that number or below, the answer is yes. If you get the above that
0: number, the answer is no. Uh-huh. And that's it. So what that means is that if you're playing with a a GMless or a solo-type game, either one of those, because those are two different things, uh, you'll say things like, okay, I did say that you're walking to the first floor of an abandoned haunted house, so... I would consider it likely that there are some stairs somewhere in the house, but, you know, not super likely, because maybe they aren't in this room. So, uh, I will say it's likely, and the current chaos rank is 5, which is average. Therefore, I cross-reference those two and find out that there is a 75% chance of stairs in this room. You roll 75% chance on percentile dice, and if you get below 75, yeah, there's some stairs in here. No? The answer's no. And rather than... The game doesn't really want you to do what you consider to be the most likely thing to follow that, which is to keep asking questions. Instead, you're supposed to go, well, okay, logically, what would it mean if there aren't stairs in this room?
1: Yeah, the the game really harps on the idea of things following
0: logically. it's, yeah, it's very much very, the rational RPG.
1: Yeah, it's very much like, oh, this feels... You know, coming back to Reddit, very Redditor in that it's like, oh, well, logic should dictate everything. You should have logic. I don't feel emotions.
0: I'm a logical man. <laughs> I would leave the date immediately to go to the meeting with Andrew Tate that I had.
1: <laughs> I would take uh, $20 uh, and a meeting with, with Elon Musk because then I would make money instead of taking $10 million. <laughs> That's the hustle culture.
0: Yeah, I don't think that those things are based in logic, although those people probably think they are. There is are also two more numbers in every one of the thirteen by thirteen grid uh on the chart. Uh one of them is one fifth of the core number, the other is Is it five times the core number? I forget how they do that. Uh it's the
1: lower fifth of the success range That's and the what it was. upper fifth of the failure range. Yes. So if you're on a fifty-fifty shot, if you're Yes number is 50, so it's yes on 50 below, no 51 above. Uh, Then 10 and below would be an exceptional yes.
0: Mm -hmm. 91 and above would be an exceptional no. That is correct. Uh, Now, this is interesting because there are a lot of circumstances in an RPG that you could easily come up with in which an exceptional yes or an exceptional no would make sense. Like, they're critical effects. So if you say things like, I will attempt to tie up these goons. You get an exceptional no. Uh, you you tied the wrong kind of knot, and they will be able to slip loose as soon as they realize it, right? That's that's pretty simple. Um, or or even they break out while you're tying them up, and if you actually just rolled a regular no, then it's a loose knot and they'll get out pretty quickly. Yeah. Or I hit this guy with my sword. Do I do some damage? Exceptional, yes. You do critical damage. It's amazing. Uh, but the ex- the examples don't really seem to understand... <laughs> that there will be a lot of circumstances in which exceptional yeses or nos either don't make sense at all or don't work the way that they thought they should.
1: Yeah, one thing I gotta say about this book is it feels like the writer knew there were a lot of holes in the everything is a yes-no question and there's a chart you roll on and then kept bringing up those problems but not solving them. So uh-huh. you would have things like the exceptional uh, yes thing, where it's like, oh, you're looking for the keys because you want to try and get into a locked house. Yes. And the yes is you look under the mat and there's a key. And the exceptional yes is there's no key there, but the
0: door is right. unlocked. The thing about this that's got, that makes it so dramatically silly is that the question it asked isn't, how do I, can I get into this house? It's, are there keys under the doormat? That's yeah. that's the question. Are there keys under the doormat? And the four responses you can potentially get are, yes, yes there are, it's your lucky day. No, no there aren't. Pretty simple. Uh, exceptional yes, no, but when you try the door, it's unlocked, or exceptional no, heck, there's not even a doormat. Now, which the f- is so weird to me. It's very like- weird, but-
1: why would the exceptional yes be a no? And also, I would rather have a key because that gives me way
0: more power over a situation than just the door is unlocked. Exactly. That's what I keep think- getting back to when I read this this kind of example is, well, I would prefer the- to have the keys because I said keys, which implies more than one, which means I can potentially use them to, like, steal a car or get into other different locks throughout the house or even to this guy's office um where he's or or i can walk away with them and come back later and if he's locked the door since then i can still get in exactly like it's worse to find a copy the door of the key
1: yeah. i can do
0: whatever but no it's
1: just nah, doors unlocked
0: you can go in i'm like that's worse yeah so really i mean that one's easy because it's just a silly uh, a silly example you could have replaced it with Yes, and also you recognize several of these keys as being the keys to his car and his office and stuff like that. That'd be a great crit to that result, right? That'd be a good exceptional yes. The exceptional no is interesting to me as well, because the question defines that there is a doormat. Yeah, the question is, hey, there's a doormat, and I look under it. Yeah, and if you get exceptional no, there's no doormat. It changes reality based on the question you asked, which understandably is the point. Of the questions, but it feels to me at the point of the question should be to, uh, to change unobserved reality. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think the game should gaslight
1: me when I ask it a question. Yeah. yeah. No, like if there's if never been at a
0: doormat th- here. You're crazy. What are you talking that doormat's, about? That doormat's that painted onto the ground. This is like a wild E. Coyote situation.
1: I mean, that would at least be fine if you're like, oh, it was a trick. There is not actually a doormat here. It's a joke. You'd be like all right, at least that still follows with my perception that there was a doormat. to Be like, the doormat
0: no longer exists. Reality shifts around you. You go insane. Yeah. Now, we will get into character creation in a minute. I just really wanted to go through this whole core mechanic thing because it is so weird. Uh, the other, one of the other examples is, uh, I'm going to read it out loud here. As I walk through the dark hall, I listen carefully. Do I hear any sounds? And then we got our four results. Yes, you hear something, but you don't know what. No, all is silent. Exceptional yes. You hear something very loud, perhaps very sudden. It may take another question to figure out what it is. Exceptional no. All is silent. There is no appropriate exceptional result, so this remains the same as a simple no. Good. I'm glad they recognize that. However, if you heard a sound, how did you hear a sound but not hear that it was very loud or sudden? Well, like if you got if you got wasn't. a regular So what you're saying is the exceptional yes modifies the sound to be crazy loud and super sudden. But otherwise, if you just hear a regular yes, you kind of hear just a low hum or something. Yeah, that is one of the things about
1: the game being entirely yes-no questions, is it's like, oh, if I ask a question about something, then it can only be yes-no. It can't be, you know explanatory in any way so saying the exceptional yes means that it's loud i'm like okay but what if i'm trying to eavesdrop on like a whispered conversation and then it's like oh there's a big
0: loud sound a fucking explosion goes off you're like that's not what i wanted why would that be the exceptional yes yeah the thing that bothers me there is that ostensibly both the yes and the exceptional yes result are describing the same sound like granted this could be a fully self-guided gameplay session, in which case you are going to interpret that sound later because you're the one making that shit up. But if you're the DM and you're guiding the, ga- the player through this game and they say, okay, you hear a sound, roll to-, or roll to see if you hear a sound. Exceptional, yes. You hear a loud, sudden sound. Regular, yes. You just hear a sound. Well, what's the sound? What, describe it to me. Because I heard it, so I should have the capacity for self-description, correct? What did I hear? Oh, well, I guess it was loud and sudden. Well, then what would the crit result do? This bothers yeah. me. I, I, just, I just am not sure. what. I mean, you, it feels to me like it probably needed more specificity on the exceptional yes beyond just loud and sudden. And you might need to roll again to see what it is. I mean, like, if thing- I get an exceptional yes, I feel like I should be done rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it. but that is an issue with
1: the yes, no aspect yes, it of it is the game really wants you to be like, ask a question, get a yes or no, and then just figure it out from there yeah which is wild to me because it feels like at least half if not more than that of the time that you ask a yes no question you probably have an answer in mind like if i go into a place and i'm like oh i go into a cave are there orcs here and i roll no i'm gonna be like Mm -hmm. all right are there goblins here roll no yeah fucking are there like i can't just go through the entire monster manual or at that point i have to go is there anything in here and then if i roll a no it's like oh i guess this adventure doesn't happen nothing's in here it's
0: a fucking empty ass cave good for me (laughs) yeah yeah i mean they, they do make this whole point about like like uh oh you should do the logical result but to me i keep thinking like okay well if we go back to that, that example of walking into a haunted house and asking if there's stairs, and find, yeah, it's likely, but there's a 25% chance there aren't stairs, so you roll, there's no stairs. Okay, where are stairs? Let's, well, let's check the next room. Are there stairs in this room? No. Are there stairs anywhere in this house? No. This is a possibility. You could run into a situation where you just, how do you get to the second floor of this place? You don't. They built a two-story house and no way up to the second floor. Yeah, well, I mean, it's haunted. Maybe, you gotta Maybe be a haunted. ghost. haunted. Maybe the the homeowners could fly. Yeah, it's a ghost house. You gotta you gotta be able to float up to that second story. Yeah, so uh, so perhaps I don't know. But this is I, again, this is just me harping on a minor example of, of uh, play design where I, I just I, I find it so weird that the only thing they have going here that the the secret to is this game uh, a uh, a functional GM simulator is it can randomly ask yes or no questions once you set the odds.
1: Yeah, and again, I'm like, if I ask a yes or no question for certain things, like sometimes if I really do want to go like, oh, I'm doing like a detective story, and go like, oh, do I find the murder weapon here? No. Okay, that's fine. It makes sense that I might not find the murder weapon here. Whatever. We move on. I'll try and find it somewhere else. Sure. But sometimes, like I was saying before, when you're like, Oh, do I hear something? Yes. All right. Well, now I need to know what the hell I heard. Does it sound like, you know, boots? No. (sighs) All right. Does it sound? And then you have to start, once you get into the, I need to make a choice, the fate chart feels like it shouldn't exist anymore because instead of saying, does it sound like boots? I should just go, all right. I heard a sound. I will decide that it is boots.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Like, logically, it should probably be Boots. Alright, we should probably get to things like character creation and how you actually play this beyond beyond just harping over how this system feels like it's kind of selling a complicated tu- a dice flip mechanic. Or t- a coin flip. Yeah. So, the game has its
1: own character creation where you can do two different versions. You can either do A freeform character creation, or you can do a point-by character creation. Correct. Uh, If you are doing freeform, then you will go to your your attributes, and then you will just assign what you think it should be. So Uh if you're like, all right, I've got a barbarian, so i I go to my strength. my strength is probably pretty good. I guess I, we gotta decide whether it's like is it
0: exceptional? Is it incredible? Is it yeah. high? Oh, and of course this game uses that model uh where one of the axes on the big fate chart is just uh words, just words they don't they don't use numbers instead they just go uh from I think like weak low. Average, above average, high, exceptional, incredible. And, like, there's seven of them. Oh, there's a lot. Because it also has
1: Minuscule on the low end, and then Awesome and
0: Superhuman on the high end. And both Minuscule and Superhuman just kind of scale off from there. So you can have things like Superhuman 2, Superhuman 3, Superhuman 4. And then Minuscule, like, plus 2, Minuscule plus 3, and so on. Exactly. So there's actually a ton of them. I am on the record regularly is not particularly caring for this, because trying to internalize and memorize the difference between exceptional and incredible is annoying.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a game where you're like, I mean, obviously, I'm going to have to have the fate chart up at all times. Yeah. There's no way you will ever remember all of the odds, all of the descriptions, everything like that, so... It's going to be there, and at least on the fate chart, it does have, like, if you have an above-average stat, and you are rolling against something with a low stat, here's your percentile chance. 85,
0: yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, like, that's not fine. It's not that hard to tell most of the centers of the skill chart apart. Like, the difference between average and above-average is 5%, pretty much across the board, and that, uh, until you, I think you get, no, I'm wrong. It it fluctuates. The difference between an average and above average starts at 5% across the board, becomes 10, then becomes 15, then becomes 20, then becomes 10 again, and then eventually becomes the same. It's weird. Yeah. Uh. It's... In terms of numeric differences between them. And what's wild, what drives me the most crazy, is that towards the very back of this book, there's a section for how to like convert your existing game. So it runs in this system instead, where it's like, hey... Did you come from a game that had six stats that ranged from 3 to 18? Well, here's an easy conversion chart. If your stat is a 10 or an 11, it's average. And I'm like, first of all, thanks for telling me. I already knew that. And second, I feel like that's converting to a a ridiculous reduction of granularity. Well, it's, it's also interesting to me
1: because... While you can say like, oh, yeah, 10 or 11 is average, you know, 12 to 13 above average and so on. For some games, that means you're like, oh, I guess if I uh, hit like a 20, I'm awesome. But if I go above that, I get to superhuman. But superhuman in most circumstances feels like the scale would be more like, superhero level rather than just like very strong barbarian versus Superman
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's uh it's very weird this game does start with seven stats but it makes it a a clear point that you could have more than that or less than that that they it's all going to be free form you need to decide what's best for you uh but the, the core stats are strength agility reflex IQ intuition willpower and toughness yes now and what's weird go go ahead no just as i was saying the
1: uh in the freeform one you will just assign what you think is best for that so again you know i might go like oh, i've got a barbarian i'm gonna be exceptional strength i guess but i'll put my iq as low you know just sort of go through and be like i'll just figure it out i'll just decide whatever i have and there's nothing that stops you from just going like yeah sure why not i'm incredible in everything i'm fucking yeah
0: yeah for real like the example character is like i forget his name but it's some super spy like someone's making a james bond right that's the example character for freeform character creation the first one and there's just like i don't know he's probably like super smart and a crack shot and stronger than everybody and and uh his willpower is perfect and he's got great intuition he's just got better than everything stats he has no bad stats
1: it's, it is hilarious to me because in the free form, both for your stats, your abilities are just you make up whatever skills you are good at and then give it whatever rank you are in it. Uh, and then you have strengths and weaknesses, which are essentially just, you know, merits and flaws. You decide if you get a bonus in certain circumstances or a penalty in certain circumstances.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: in... The freeform one, you just decide everything for yourself. And then in the point buy, you actually have points with which to buy things. And each point you spend on whatever costs a certain amount. But the base character that they do, they're like, oh, let's make a character. We've got a pirate. And this pirate uh, is super great at everything. He's got above average stats in all of his things. He's got a couple good strengths because people are afraid of him, and uh, he's got a bunch of abilities because he's a pirate. He knows how to do boat stuff and
0: exactly, swashbuckle
1: yeah. and whatever. But then it goes to the uh, the point-by system, and they go, all right, let's make him over in point-by. We'll put him in a world where he gets a decent amount of points, and we'll do the variation where he's an experienced character. So he even gets like 100 more points than he would have.
0: Yeah. Anyway, we big, have to take like pirate. seven
1: more weaknesses because <laughs> he's way too good.
0: Yeah, yeah. He ends up being incredibly powerful uh, when, he built, when he's built Freeform, even when you compare him to a high-level version of the point-by-character. And this is crazy to me because you're writing this game right now. You are In 2003, 20 years ago, you were sitting there going like, I'm going to write this game, and I'll just go ahead and show it in Freeform. No one can hold themselves to any kind of scale of balance. They're just going to make their character an amazing super being for no reason because presumably they're going to play this game by themselves or with no dm so there's no checks or balances anyway like the, between that and the whole lo- logical system all i'm really seeing here is that this is more of a like a story writing tool than than a role playing game oh yeah i mean having a big like yes no chart uh
1: the ability to be like oh i can kind of like make a character however i want them to be and then put them in a scenario is like yeah i guess if i'm writing something and i want to be like ooh, i want things to feel you know still plausible but a bit random like real life then maybe you'd use this but in a game i just keep looking at it going like man if i sit down and do a freeform game and someone shows up and is like here's captain fucking incredible and he's the best thing ever and he has every ability
0: and he has no weaknesses i'm gonna be like cool that's part of the game yeah yeah it's just it's just weird uh the other thing that's fun is that when you are building your character whether you do this in uh free form or point by one of the stats is a substat uh, just toughness uh toughness is based on an average of two of your other stats and I honestly do not remember how you calculate it because this game's not really about these stats. No, uh, the I think
1: in the uh, free form you can just decide what your toughness is, but in point by, it becomes the average of your strength and willpower.
0: Yes, that is correct. Uh, and toughness is more or, or yeah, toughness is more or less the one you use to calculate things like. Do I get knocked out? How much? How much do I have to get hit in order to get knocked down or or, or uh, significantly injured? Yeah. So th- that's the point of that stat. And then the game goes into how you would add additional stats and how you would add additional points if you needed to do point by with additional or with less stats, which is just you know add another another average amount of points to the calculation and and then uh, divide by the new number of stats there are. And it has a couple of examples, like Astralness is the first example they suggest, which is basically how attuned you are to the magical plane around you if you're playing in a game where traveling between them is a regular thing. Yeah. Like, if if you're like, oh, we're going
1: to play in a game and it, everyone, like literally everyone uh, operates with some sort of ability or stat, just make that a core one. So if you're like, yeah, this is a full game about psychics then you could just have like all right we can make like psychic power be a stat if you want to
0: yeah there's a much later example in the book where they do a what they're calling a generic fantasy game version and they add a stat that is like social status that basically controls like if you're noble born or common born or something but it works exactly like the other stats it's just that in that world that's such an important detail that it needs its own stat which i don't know if it necessarily like like it does, it describes the the two of them their social status is commoner or highborn they never get into how that works when it's done on a point by system that runs between minuscule and superhuman yeah like th- they never convert it back over and go like well okay fine you're a commoner does that mean you have a low in that, in that do- that uh range or do you have commoner <laughs> huh. or does is it just average cuz most people would be commoners right like the vast majority think, of people yeah. So, be, so that would probably be average. Uh, who knows? They they didn't bother to, to to think about their own system when they wrote that example. Also,
1: one of my favorite things looking at it, just, you know, doing the math on stuff, is if you are doing a real-world uh, point-by system, you get 30 points for your attributes. Getting an average in a stat is five. You have six uh-huh. stats that you buy and one that's derived. So you could have average in everything, but to be above average costs 10 points, which means if you want to be above average, you basically have to have everything else below average just to eke enough points to be above average at one thing.
0: You know, just like in real life. (laughs) Like ostensibly, you're supposed to fix that by taking weaknesses, uh, you can take weaknesses by, and the way this game works is similar. Again, the reason I brought it up early on to uh, Marvel superheroes role playing is you you get rank shifts. So if yeah. you have if you have a uh, you, you say like oh well my character gets dizzy and heights easily, so I will get a huge amount of bonus points for saying that I take minus two rank shifts to all of my my statistics if I'm above a certain height and I'm like. On foot or something. So if I'm in an airplane, it doesn't, or, or I can't see outside anyway, then my fear of heights doesn't trigger and it doesn't matter. But if I can and it's like under my control, then even if I have an above average, I'm rolling at a below average. Yeah. When I'm in heights. Because and in exchange for that, you get some points. Or you can take ones that are far more specific than that. Like, oh, well, I'm, I'm trained in swords, but I'm bad with two handed swords. So I have a one hand or a one rank shift if I have to use a two handed sword. Mm -hmm. because of course the game also has skills yeah
1: and again the skills are just instead of you know oh freeform is you pick whatever and then point by as you point by the skills they're still just goofy make-em-ups like there are no set skills for anything they're just like oh if you're overlaying mythic role-playing on some other game use their skill list if not Just decide whatever your character has, you know, just say fucking you've got swashbuckling at a three and boating at a, I don't know, above average or whatever the fuck.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, it's, I mean, it's mostly so you can granulate your skills, but really it's so you can create a bunch of skills. And then once you've spent way more points than you have, go through all those skills and add weird weaknesses to them that, that you hope won't come up very often to generate enough points to justify your stats.
1: It's also weird because it definitely feels like, God, you would have to have everyone really sit down and essentially come up with a list of skills already anyway. Because the point by, like, is just for the rank of it. Because if I sit down and I'm like, oh, we're playing, you know, a pulp game and me and someone else are both inventors and I decide I've got, you know... An exceptional in just weird science but then the other person was like well i've got a high in mechanical science and then a, an above average in electrical science like you have to have everyone be on board so you, yeah, you may know. as well have a list of skills that you're going from anyway because if you're just making it up someone else could go yeah i've got uh an exceptional in fighting where someone else is like oh well i took melee
0: and shooting pistols and shooting rifles right yeah so presumably that's a job for the dm and if you're playing in a dm-less multi-person game then you're going to try and solve that by having a lot of pre-game discussions which this game thankfully does say is a regular thing that you need to deal with yeah like you do need to lay out what the overall power scale of the world is what things are like there what kind of characters you want to play what the genre is yeah, you should probably build a list of skills. Heck, a huge portion of this book is given over to these kind of like, once you roll a skill, little subchart things that you populate with, uh, so you'll remember how skills work in your game uh, as you go through it over time. Yeah, because everything really is
1: just sort of improv in the moment for most of the way this works. They're like, all right, well, if you're in a fantasy setting and someone's like, I'm going to be a wizard. This doesn't have spells that are set in it. There's no rules for casting. So the second that player decides, all right, I'm going to cast a spell. How does that work? You have to like get a little sheet of paper and write down how casting spells work so that it is internally consistent in that game.
0: Yes. And this is also one of my other favorite examples they have in the book, just because it's kind of a funny concept, is they're like, all right, say you have a skill in your game that's going to come up either very, very often or more than once. Even you should probably use one of these sort of question charts to track it so that each time the skill comes up, you can modify it based on previous roles or new information about the functionality of it. And eventually have a, uh, a single easy to look at reference chart for when that skill comes up. And the example they use is the, ta- the tale of the character hurricane Halley, an archaeologist trekking through the dense jungles of South America, right? Okay. No problem. Uh, She is driving around in a Jeep, and it breaks down. And so she has to fix it. And so we go through the process with the first time. Uh, The question is, is the broken vehicle repaired? So she attempts to fix the vehicle. Uh, However she does that, probably some combination of uh, her intelligence or her manual dexterity and any skills she has for, for auto repair. There's a note. This is just for cars. You can only use this to fix broken cars. You can't use it to fix broken cruise ships. Uh, acting yeah. ra- rank it, it you say that it's her mechanical repairability difficulty rank and abstract estimation of the extent of the vehicle's damage
1: yeah so anytime you would do anything you have to give if it doesn't have stats to begin with like it's not a person then you have to just go all right uh this truck is very fucked up so let's say it has exceptional damage and that's what you'd be rolling against But if you're like, I want to break a window, the window has weak strength to being broken, so you'd roll against that.
0: Yeah. So basically, to let the example work, she fixes her car, drives it another mile, it breaks down again, tries to fix it, can't. So this time she fails because of a poor work environment making the rank shift too low, goes to buy a car, uh, drives it, it breaks down, has to fix it again, drives it, it breaks down, and it has to fix it again. And I just, I find this an amusing concept that they go through all this work to define Hurricane Hallie and where she is and what she's doing, but the only thing in her entire story is that she keeps breaking her car.
1: Yeah, and it's weird because, I mean, this, there is a system in here for chaotic random events. Yes. but Outside of that happening and specifically pointing towards the car, like, you would have to, as a player, go, hey, does my car break down? When you could not ask that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. They never really get into the situation where they, uh, where they describe how the vehicle has broken down. Uh, the beginning just says, since the player doesn't possess a resolution chart, they decide to stop one. They never quite get to the point where they say, this character's car broke down, or how they got to the decision that the character's car had broken down.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say, like, Oh, I get in my Jeep and I chase after the bad guys in their car. Do I catch up? No. And then you could go, all right, uh, I'll say, logically, the reason I don't is because my car breaks down. And then you could go from there. Well,
0: but, I, I mean, the thing, yeah, you're right. The thing I find at so that amusing. point It
1: really is just a matter of, well, now if it keeps breaking down, that's my own dumb ass fault for continually asking if my car breaks down.
0: Yeah, like what I keep thinking when I read my way through this, this chapter on how this works is, What game is this? What are you doing where it's the the thrilling adventures of this lady whose car keeps breaking down, and that's the only thing that happens to her? Hell yeah, everybody loves Indiana Jones' car mechanic. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, my car broke down. Better see if I can fix it, and if not, then I'll have to buy another junky car that will break down. Short round, check the prices of cars while I try to fix this car, which broke down after it broke down.
1: I... Love the idea of some fucking pulp action movie, and it's just car breaks down, fix it. Car breaks down, can't fix it. Buy a car, like car breaks down, and you just spend literally a third of the movie with this person
0: being like, "Well, God, I mean, I th- it might be the radiator. I mean, jeez, <laughs> I don't really know. Shouldn't have sprung for overhead cams, but no, like it's such a the thing is it, the, the reason it strikes me is so weird is because. For, as an emergent gameplay tool, which is presumably what this game is trying for, right? Like, the whole thing is based on binary yes-no questions. You're asking it what you think is the most logical question and then reacting amusedly when you get no. Like, oh, what's the weird thing that happened instead? Why is chaos affecting this? How does it affect it? What crazy thing is happening and how do I react to it? The only thing they can come up with is, uh, does my car break down? Does my car break down? Does my car break down? Like, once you ask that once or twice, everyone at the table, even if it's one person, should say, okay, we got it. We we went through the part of this story about cars breaking down. Narratively, that's not that interesting of a story. Let's stop asking about it.
1: Can, can we not? Like, it would be one thing if you're like, oh, this is like you're on the run from something and... Every time your car breaks down, they get a little bit closer. And then you're like, oh, there's narrative stakes to that. Oh, so yeah, but sure, this somebody. is like, I drive through the jungle. My car breaks down. Are there stakes?
0: Oh, it sucks for you, I guess. Yeah, that's the other fun thing. She's not being pursued. She's not pursuing anyone. Her car just keeps breaking down.
1: Yeah, it's just a bad day
0: to be Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't quite know what to do with that kind of thing. I get it. I mean, I feel like they were just desperately trying to come up, because there's multiple chapters about how to use these little chart things. I think they were just desperate to not have every single one of them be, I stabbed the orc, what happens?
1: Yeah, I mean, that is... One of the main issues I have with this is I'm like, this book is like 140 pages, and it could be five. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you
1: are not wrong there. The... The other thing with the fate chart, uh, I had mentioned before that there is a chaos factor to this yeah. game. Yeah. Uh, whenever you do a scene and everything goes according to plan, nothing weird happens, like mm-hmm. everything is
0: in the player's
1: control. Yeah, you then... enter a
0: bonus stage and try to collect the Chaos Emerald.
1: <laughs> yes. And and then you can finally get that hedgehog.
0: Yeah. Once you get all seven of them, you can turn into uh, Super ha- Hurricane Halley. <laughs>
1: Her car no, never my car breaks never down. breaks down
0: <laughs> God damn it, okay, chaos factor I'm sorry, go ahead,
1: so yeah, if you have a scene and everything's fine and nothing weird happens and you're all in control, then uh your chaos does not go up in fact, it may even go down uh I think you start at like a chaos of two out of
0: nine or something uh yeah, chaos uh, five is the average chaos. Uh, but I think you do start with lower than average chaos in most sessions uh, situations.
1: Yeah. But anytime there's anything happens in a scene that is unexpected, which generally means if you get into a fight, if you get surprised by something, anything crazy happens, then you'll end up bumping your chaos up. Now, this does a couple things. One it makes it far more likely the higher your chaos is that the answer to any question you ask is yes yeah the other That's, thing is yeah there is a the random event table on this which is anytime you roll doubles if the number that you roll doubles on so like 66 would be 6 if uh-huh. that is uh less than the current chaos number then you get a random event Uh uh-huh oh boy
0: the random event chart
1: the random event chart is wild and may be my favorite thing in this
0: yeah yeah it's just a giant list of words but basically let's say the way you use the chart there are two ways to use the chart one of them is the acting rank and that is when you are exerting direct control via your character or another character in the universe over a situation so Let's say you need to lift a branch to get it off the road because it broke your car down. Um, and your lifting skill is exceptional, and the current chaos or difficulty rank is average. Like, it's an average difficulty to move this log. It's not that big of a log. So you go and you say, all right, exceptional average. Uh, check the cross-reference. That's an 85% ch- chance of success. That gives you a 16% chance of exceptional success and a 97% or, or 4% chance or something of, of uh, a, an exceptional failure. Sure. If you're doing the chart the other way, you do odds. And the way odds work, this is this is where you need the player buy-in and the player involvement. So you say things like, uh, what are the odds that there's a big log across the road here? Is there a big log in the road that's stopping us from keeping going? I don't know why you'd ask that, but the game seems to think you often would. Um, you You say, I'd say it's unlikely that there's a big log across the road. The current chaos rank is the average of five you go to find the cross-reference, it's a 35% chance. There's a 35% chance of a log in the road. But if you roll and you get a 33, then uh, there is a big log in the road, and also you check on the random event chart. Yeah. Now, the random event chart has
1: basically three tables, though kind of just two. Yes. One is a percentile roll to see what type of event is happening so it can be uh uh, like a remote event so something happens away from the players you pretty much just get to either like have that oh we check in and see what's going on with the villains or something happened and you stumble across it but the event happened before you ever got there yeah uh and then you can have things that are like something good happens to a pc something bad happens to them something good happens to an npc something bad happens to them
0: uh, yeah, you effectively can move, it gets much more uh, narrative from here.
1: Yeah, so you can move toward a thread, which is, you know, any of your plot points, or move away from a thread, so it's harder to get to a plot point. There's a lot of stuff on the event table, and that just gives you a general idea of what is this random event focused on?
0: Yes, exactly. It's it's pretty fun. But it's pretty it's basically very much a narrative control system. For example, if you say things like close a thread then you say, hey, this random event is ending one of the plot threads of our story. We're going to figure out how it does that, but at the end of this random event, that thread is done. Whether it means that the villain we were capturing has been, or we were chasing, has been caught or died, or for whatever reason, that story is over now. Moving away from a thread doesn't mean the story's over, it just means you move towards a different story instead. Uh, Moving toward a thread is, as far as I can tell, identical to moving away from a thread, because it doesn't define the thread which still means you're moving towards a thread well, and away from another thread, both of which needed to be defined by you, the players. Well, no, because both of them are basically, like, you would already have a thread at this point.
1: Threads would That's be true, like, yeah. what, the I thing am thing trying, trying to find the Necronomicon, would be yeah. a thread. Moving toward it would be like, oh, you get a clue that maybe Miskatonic University has a copy. Moving away would be, oh, you heard that Miskatonic had a copy, but they've lent it out.
0: You don't know who has it anymore. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. i had forgotten that technically when you're rolling, you are rolling about a thread of events, something that's happening, and it will move you towards or away from that thread. Yes. Uh, once you once you determine which one of these things you're going to be doing, whether it be an NPC positive or negative or whatever, you then go to these two other giant charts, each of which, is, one of them is just 100 verbs, and the other is, or not even verbs, uh, just words. Uh, basically, 100 actions and 100 subjects. Yeah. So you'll roll so- and you'll get something like, kill failure, or increase magic. I will persecute death. (laughs) I will truce good. I will overindulge weather. (laughs) I have an intolerance to exterior factors. Yeah, it's just, um, it's just a a proposed rumors. It's just weird. Um, it, it basically, it does say, hey, we know right off the bat that these seem like they may be kind of hard to apply to something. You can use an I don't know how that would work rule, at which point you just say, like, if a meaning doesn't do anything, just say a random event doesn't even happen. Just skip this.
1: Yeah. If so if you're be like
0: real weird, then you're like, no. <laughs> yeah. But it, so, if, like, for example, if you're like, I- okay, I'm going to try and lift that log off the road. How did I do? Well, you had a 35% chance and you rolled a 33. So you do get a random event. I'm going to roll on it. It says that it is a, uh, I don't know, let's pick one at random. Uh, it's going to be moving toward a thread. And as you move the the uh, log off the road, you communicate legal matters. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, I guess someone sitting in the car waiting for me to move is like, hurry up, we have to deliver these papers or they won't be able to legally sue us or something. Like, you kind of go, I don't know what that means, we're going to skip it generally speaking you would really only use the uh, rods those uh, yeah. tables
1: when you are doing a positive or negative or an ambiguous event because most yeah. of the other ones generally have a oh i know what's going on here
0: yeah i i guess and some of them you know sometimes i'm i'm not even really cherry picking i'm just looking at these big lists and picking words at random from them but yes you could easily take words from here that make sense and and say like all right what are the odds that there's a roadblock that's going to stop us from getting into Mendoza's secret fortress? Uh, okay, well, they're, they're a 45% chance. I rolled a 44. Great. That means that there is a roadblock, and also, as you discover the roadblock, you have to uh, struggle military. Okay, I, I guess I get that. He's got, like, a de facto paramilitary fa- faction out there, and it's going to be a fight to get past them in order to get through the building. Sure. I, that makes sense. I understand. Yeah. And by and the same token, if you come up to it and you get something like Imprison Jealousy, you're like, uh, maybe not. Maybe we don't do that one. <laughs> Extravagance Illness. Um Hell One yeah, of the guards dude. is very, very sick in his projectile barfing. Yeah. I, the
1: thing is, I fucking love this chart because yeah. I love the idea of just being like, All right, I rolled two incredibly random things, and now I need to figure out
0: what the fuck that means. I mean, I'll tell you why, I'm sure the reason why you love this chart is probably pretty much the same reason I do, which is, it's not a binary yes-no question. Yeah, it's finally something where you're like, oh shit, I can
1: get some guidance in interpretation, because up until this point, it was just improvised storytelling, why was there even a yes-no chart?
0: Yeah, we finally found some meat. We ain't add nothing but maggoty yes-no questions for 60 stinking pages. Random charts is back on the menu, boys. (laughs) This is what we wanted. That's all I ever want
1: is random charts. I want to move prison. (laughs) Hell yeah, I want to move
0: prison. (laughs) Or at least delay opulence. I love it both. Like, it, it... For the most part, when you look at these charts, your first thought is, wow, these aren't bad. There's 100 words here, and a lot of these aren't the same thing. Like, there's not a whole lot of synonyms in there. You do start to spot them after you pay attention to it for a long time. You'll see things like break and destroy both being on there, or postpone and delay both being on there. Yeah. But, you know, who cares? It doesn't matter if those words are in there twice. You're just rolling once on each chart to get your thing. It doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, it's fucking 100 words. Who cares? You can have it's, some synonyms.
0: It's fine. Uh, and then what else we got to talk about in this bad boy? There's a little bit of, of of suggestion about how you could convert your own game to overlay this game over it. But really, it's just like, hey, you know that binary yes, no chart that we came up with earlier? That's not quite a binary because it also has critical results. Just use that instead of a DM. Oh, boy. Now, the one thing oh, the combat we haven't system. talked about yeah. is
1: combat. Yes.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Now, generally, because that's the way everything works, it's essentially like, do I hit? Yes, no. Is he injured? Yes, no. Stuff like that. Uh, And usually because, you know, you've got a, uh, like, you know, two questions for any combat of just, do yeah. I hit? Are they hurt?
0: We it's hadn't fine. Talked about, yeah, we hadn't talked about that quite yet, but as a quick aside, the game suggests that you never go further than like two questions deep on something before you just figure it out for a number of reasons.
1: Yeah, because, you know, if you keep getting no's and you keep trying more and more suggestions, they're like, look, man, just fucking make something up. If you've gotten two no's, just
0: decide. Yeah, and also to stop players from doing things like uh, I stab the orc. Do I knock his weapon out of his hand? No. Do I cause his hand to be useless so that weapon doesn't work? No. Do I stab him with his own weapon so it's stuck in him? No. It's it to stop them from just asking questions until they get a yes. Yeah.
1: Uh, although the game also has a, uh, yeah, we understand that yes is more likely the higher the chaos is. Please do not phrase questions such that you will get yeses all the time.
0: Yeah, also, please don't do a thing so that, uh, like, the first thing I thought of when I was reading it was like, I'm just going to give my character a ridiculously high specialty in not being knocked down or moved, like, forcibly moved in combat. And then whenever I have to ask, what does the orc do to me, I'm never going to say, does the orc attack me? I'm always going to start with, does that orc want to shove me? Does Hmm. he want to push me around? Well, he will. Well, he will.
1: No, no, he does not.
0: Okay. Does he want to try and knock me to the ground? you know that that kind of thing but you know that's because i'm a min max or even in a game where it doesn't make even a lick of fucking sense oh yeah
1: because the game even goes yeah if you want to you could go hey does my character win combat yes you, just can. you can You be start like, with that
0: yeah there's a bunch of skeletons do i beat them all yes great fucking yeah, moving and, on and that's fine if the story you're telling isn't granular skeleton combat then sure you can always end a combat by being like, are we obviously the superior force here and therefore do we win? And that's, yep. that's A-OK and fine. It doesn't want you to ask questions like, is there a big pot of gold on the sidewalk?
1: Yeah. Because it's, he's just like, yeah, you could technically ask whatever the hell you want, but don't. Because that yep. would be just sort of self-defeatingly bad. Because if you're like, ah, oh, let's play a game hey, is there a vorpal sword on the ground? No. <laughs> is there a vorpal sword in this room? No. <laughs> like, sure, you could do that. It's annoying and stupid. <laughs> uh, the weird part of combat to me is much less the, like, oh, uh, you say, hey, do I hit, does it hurt? It's yeah the turn order yes. is basically you do your attack. You're like, oh, do I hit the guy? Is he hurt? Great. At the end of it, You ask, do I get to go again, or is it the other guy's turn? Because you're essentially like, yeah, uh, I might just go like five times in a row because we're not doing a full back and forth uh, combat. It's
0: maybe I just have the advantage and I continually attack you. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, the whole game system is supposed to be, like, fully freeform. And, sure, they do do give a full explanation for why. It's basically like, hey, we don't think real combats work by characters going, it's my turn, it's your turn, it's my turn, it's your turn. And they're right. They are absolutely right that real combat doesn't look like that. That one character will get a bunch of punches in, and then the other character will, will try and block all those or reel with them for a while, and then the balance of power will shift for one reason or another. They're right. What they are not right about is that they've fallen into that classic old D&D trap of saying every one of my character's turns is the only thing they do. So when my character makes a melee attack, it's that they swing their sword. And then they go right back to T-posing until it's their turn again. That's not what's happening. It's already an abstraction. They're trying to abstract an abstraction. Yeah, plus it's... Because the question is generally,
1: do I attack next? Yeah. The higher the chaos is the more likely it is you just nonstop murder everyone in the scene if you're doing granular attacks. Because you're like, oh, the chaos is very high, which means the chances of a yes are extremely high. Uh, is it? <laughs> do I attack next? What do you know? Yes, I'll keep
0: fucking yeah. dudes up. But the exactly. second they go, they also just fuck your shit. I mean, I guess every time you say, like, do I go again? Yes, it should rele- retru- uh, reduce the chaos. Although I think it only happens at the ends of scenes, right? Yep. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, it's, it's wild how uh, abusable that system is. And there is even a point in the book where they're like, hey, look, we know that it would be a lot simpler and a lot more balanced to j- just say, take turns, just, just take turns. But that's not how real combat is. So that's not what we're going to do. Yep. And I'm like, don't stick to your guns on this one. You already noticed that it would be a lot simpler. And this game should be selling itself as simple. Given that you're selling it as something you would be too to be like, ah, D and D's too complicated and not random and GM less enough. I'm gonna use. I'm gonna run D D in the Mythic Engine. It's it's wild to me that it's
1: because a lot of times when we review a game and it's not great, it feels like oh the the person who made this was just sort of like oblivious and just hyper focused on one thing they wanted to do or they had like some agenda they were trying to get through but i'm I'm like this author knew the issues that they had with their system continually brought up their own issues and then went and i don't care
0: yeah yeah it's it's wild how often they throughout this game they go like this might not even work because it's complicated but We'll put it in here anyway. (laughs) I know this isn't a good idea. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) So, and then combat, like we mentioned earlier that theoretically it is possible to assume that your character might have some kind of health score, right? Like you have a toughness, but toughness is mostly just to, to set a difficulty against damaging attacks coming into you. Another thing about this game that drives me nuts is in the example section, it says like, how do you figure out combat resolution? Let's say two characters are swinging swords at each other. They will use their sword skill as their rank for both their attack and their defense. Simple, right? Because they just have swords, and they're swinging swords at each other. But what if one of them has a sword, and the other one has a sword and a shield? Well, obviously, they're going to use their shield for defense. Therefore, they will be attacking with their sword stat, and defending with their shield stat. And I'm like, okay, so you fucked up? Because that means the character with the sword is way better, because they only need to have one good stat? Like, I get it, if you built your character freeform, you could be like, my character's amazing at sword and equally amazing at shield, if not more. But in point-by, you're like, uh, it's way better to never take more than one thing that might affect a, a given role, because then you could be asked to choose one or the other.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, it's just that when you're so freeform, you are just really encouraged to be like, I need to describe things as being as broadly applicable as possible, because the more granular you get, the more likely it is you go- you can't do things.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, in combat, mostly if you take wounds, there are stunning and lethal wounds, and all they really do is apply rank shifts uh, to all of your combat actions until you get a chance to heal them via whatever healing mechanic you have in your game. Uh, and they can also either knock you unconscious or kill you. Uh, you have to ask the question, though, do I succumb to my injuries?
1: Well, yeah, because there are two types of weapons you can either have a stunning weapon so like mostly blunt weapons or unarmed combat and lethal weapons which are too old for this shit (laughs) Uh, and lethal wounds might just murder you so anytime you take a lethal wound you have to go hey do i submit to my wounds
0: yeah you have to just check to see if you like die and the only way to really die in this game i believe is to get an exceptional no and say like fine your character keels over and dies if you get do i succumb to my wounds even if you got lethal wounds and you get a yes you still go like okay i uh i i fall unconscious and am bleeding to death and will die without medical attention
1: yeah you still get a chance to come back from it but the do i succumb exceptional
0: yes all right you're fucking dead yeah exactly I think we may have said enough. Like, there's a lot more to talk about here. There is the hidden talent system whereby you, all it is is like, hey, you may have forgotten to design some stuff about your character. So you can always just in the middle of combat or in the middle of any situation in the game be like, well, actually, my character is an experienced sommelier. I guess it just didn't come up during character creation. Uh, Can I have that now? Yeah. And again, for free form, you can just do
1: that if you're point by, you're like, oh, you'd better have left some points left over to have done that
0: yeah exactly uh it's uh it's a little weird but john would you like to get into your favorites and least favorites i would love to great because i would love to start asking you questions what would you say is your favorite thing about mythic role playing i mean it's got to be that random encounter list i
1: you know this game talks about the oh you could you know use this fate chart and whatever you're doing in the base idea for whatever. And I'm like, yeah, no, probably not. I would never do that. That feels unnecessary for a yes, no chart, mm-hmm. but the random event table. I'm like, that feels fun. And a great way to be like, all right, what actually happens when you get, you know, create opulence. You're like, all right, well, what does that mean? <laughs> and Having a conversation on that i feel is interesting it's cool what i want out of a game that bills itself as being like freeform GMless, capable of solo play is the ability to spark my own creativity yes so i i feel like the random event uh section in this is very good for that uh, yep. what would you say is your favorite thing
0: uh, I think I'm going to say my favorite thing is the basic character creation uh, suggestions of how you can, like, hey, you don't maybe need these six, these seven statistics. If you need to add another one or you need to take some of these away, go ahead, just build it to the exact level that you need it. That's fine. Uh, ultimately, if I if I wasn't hell-bent on avoiding saying the same thing as you, I would yeah. agree that that big list is pretty much the best thing in here. Uh-huh. But, but, but I do think that the free-form nature of that aspect of the game is... Uh, at least cleverly thought out. And that's probably what I'm going to say is my favorite. But what would you say is your least favorite thing? Ooh, I
1: I feel like the weakest part of this book has to be the points where the author just, like, absolutely spotlights the problems with this system. Mm -hmm. So, like... The whole, I would say, the worst thing in this is the freeform point-by character where it's like, in freeform, you can do whatever and just make a character that's far too powerful, as exampled here when I show you trying to make it point-by and can't. Yeah, like,
0: you're the one writing this, Yeah, just make it the same. Yeah, it's so weird, right? Like, how come they didn't realize writing this book, they're like, oh, that we're making ourselves look bad. Like, our... Our writing description is, is, is failing us as we do it.
1: Yeah. Every time like that, the whole like Jeep continually breaking down thing. Every time they get the opportunity to be like, and let me show you an example. They're like, and I will show you why this wouldn't work. Yeah. and I'm just like, you didn't need to do that. You could have given me good examples.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. and your least favorite thing? Uh my least favorite thing is that weird do I go next combat system. Like I, I granted, you pretty much took half of it, which is that they lampshaded it themselves and pointed out that they could have easily not done that and made a game that made more sense. Yeah. Uh but the fact that they did do it is really annoying to me. It's it's just not a good design. Like it, it's gonna end with characters comboing out, and it it even has a point where it goes, Well, do we go to swing do we attack this orc? Which one of us goes first? Uh, I guess we also roll, do I go first? We say, do I go first? So we figure out which one of us goes first. And then that guy goes like six times in a row in their own example. Yeah. It's, it's bad in both ways. Cause either you're like,
1: all right, we're playing with four people. One guy goes and he just keep fucking going. And everyone else just sort of sits there around the room, looking at this guy constantly doing his roles for yes, no questions. And, nobody does anything and then he kills everyone and then the opposite of it is oh the bad guys go and they don't stop going and kill everyone
0: yeah yeah very weird so uh would you play this game uh nah. i would
1: much rather just do a full improvised game yeah. rather than the
0: like yes no chart that's me. yeah yeah what about yeah. you i'm i'm right there with you this game is basically just sort of guidance mechanics for telling a story and it doesn't really feel like it would flow very well when it was if it was used to play a role-playing game yeah given that you already
1: have to come up with you know if you're doing gm-less like well you still need to come up with a setting come up with your characters come up with an idea of what your plot is like the game doesn't take the place of the gm it just takes the place of random arbitration, which every game has rules for random arbitration.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, no, I don't think I'd want to play this. I I, uh, I don't even know, like the whole suggestion, of the, oh, you can just incorporate it into a game. I'm like, I don't really need to because all it really has is a big chart that is basically just like, hey, what do you think the odds are of this? Great, here they are as a percentile function. Yeah, and I can do that. I can do that by myself. If you ask me, what are the odds that there's a big log in the road? I can say, I don't know. We're in a jungle. It was a, There was a monsoon last night. Let's say 40%. Plus, if, I,
1: if I'm if i playing in a, another game and I'm actually running it, you go, hey, what are the odds there's a log in this road? The odds are 0% because I don't want to deal with
0: that right now. That's not part of the story. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So no, I don't think I would necessarily play this either. It's interesting. Oh, yeah. It's very interesting to
1: look at, I mean, especially as a relic of being like, first GM-less game, like, trying to come at role-playing from a different angle. You know, tons of respect for attempting to get to that sort of GM-less full emulation without having to have someone run the game for you. That's great. I'm yeah. glad that that exists.
0: Yeah, me too. It's However, a, it's a neat concept. It's an early concept. So those are some that's a little bit of equivocation here and there to be like, yeah, this game's really, really early for something like this. So it's kind of a neat halting attempt. Uh, I don't think I would necessarily want to play it, though. It's more interesting as a historical footnote. Indeed. All right. So with that all said, it is time to wrap this up. Did John, did you know that the very next episode of this game is going to be recorded live in Indianapolis, Indiana? My God, recorded live, maybe with both of us. Uh, Yeah, we'll both be there. We'll figure it the fuck out. Apparently, Gen Con decided that our events did not need to be separated by an hour, and instead they would be separated by no hours. Yeah, or it might be separated by you having COVID and not being there. Oh, well, I'm I'm very positive on that one. I'm very COVID positive. <laughs> I'm very positive on having COVID. Uh-huh. Uh, If if that's the case, I don't know what the hell we're going to do, because my current plan, given that they gave us precisely zero seconds to get from our quiz show to our live show at Gen Con, is to have you leave the quiz a little early and go mug for time while the rest of us run our asses over there. Yeah,
1: the, the the current plan is we'll get both of those events at the same restaurant and we'll just date
0: both of them at the same time. They'll never know. <laughs> but if he's there, and we're hosting the show here, oh boy. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but next episode of this show is going to be recorded live at Gen Con and. Uh, Unlike usual, we can actually tell you what it's going to be. It's going to be the Bullwinkle and Rocky party role-playing game. So you're going to hear a lot of us saying, hey, check out this weird puppet. We will do our best to describe them over the air as well. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, hey, uh, if, you wanted, if you liked what you hear and you want to hear more, go to patreon.com slash system and support us at any level to not only unlock the ad-free versions of all the shows, but the bonus content in which we make characters in the game we just reviewed. I don't know how we're gonna do that, but we'll figure it out. And we also have more levels you can unlock that have even more cool stuff. That's right. So much bonus content, just
1: tons of time that you can spend listening to us, describing things and giving our opinions. And who doesn't want the opinions of two white guys in their ears all the time? Ha ha
0: ha uh we're nice guys though right we're nice guys that's a thing you can still say without it being a loaded thing (laughs) look we're nice guys and we're logical
1: yeah we're nice logical guys and we don't don't
0: understand why everyone isn't having sex with me (laughs) and we're neutral on the whole pronouns thing we just don't have any that that's (laughs) neutral right oh christ i all of that was kidding um please please, <laughs> please be aware uh otherwise please. thank you so much for listening we'll be at patreon.com slash system mastery if you're looking for more and until such time as we see you again have a good one